You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. <clears throat> good morning. Good morning. I hope you're well. It is Wednesday, May 3rd. We are <clears throat> one week away from the launch of Alpha Collective in New York City. So I have one week uh, to really promote and attract and encourage and cajole um, and incentivize. Oh, there'll be a good incentive. Um, the event is Wednesday, May 10th, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in the city at Deloitte, sponsored by Deloitte. Um, how will people win a full membership pass? Well, I can tell you how. They will have the ability to mint a POAP and on the basis of minting that POAP, we will figure out a way to award one of them a full membership pass. So I still have to figure out the exact logistics now that you have the POAP. Um, <clears throat> the POAP, for example, might allow you to um, <clears throat> go to a Google form and, uh, and register. And that's how we'll know. And then we'll just do a, uh, I'll do a little video to to prove that it was uh, that it was legit. And that's how people win a POAP. So 
you know, what we'll obviously do is match the actual POAP um, mint uh, or transaction hash. Uh, I mean, it's it it sounds it, it's it probably I'm making it sound more complicated than it is, but essentially I'm going to use the ability to say you were here at the launch event, you have a POAP if you choose to, and one of those POAPs will be able to be converted into a full membership pass. So that's kind of cool, kind of exciting. Um, and of course, if you are planning on being in New York City uh, on May 10th, the weather looks like it's going to be in the high 70s, uh, come on over. We've got an amazing group of speakers. We've got, uh, I'll be moderating a panel with uh, Sandy Carter from Unstoppable, Greg Vadino, uh, Adia Billy from AB InBev, um, and did I say Shira Lazar? Well, if I didn't, um, then I'm saying it now. And if I did, I'll say it again. So Sandy, Shira, Adi, and Greg. Um, I love the fact that there are three women and one man's. Um, and, and, you know, we're talking about the Collective Cafe. Uh, collective Cafe. We're talking about consensus yesterday in the Collective Cafe. And I haven't actually, like, acknowledged this, but... Um, To the best of my knowledge, um, every panel that I um, that I remember or recall had um, at least one, maybe two women in it, and so they they whether I'm guessing that it was premeditated. Um, In a perfect world, we'll get to a point where you don't have to actually think or overthink. It's just a natural. It's just natural. Um, but kudos to the folks over at CoinDesk um, for making sure that their panels were representative and and diverse and inclusive. It's it's really important. <clears throat> so today, what I wanted to do was talk about this concept of burning the boats. And by the way, the POAP today, the code is burn the boats. And um, I'm just going to, uh, for those of you that are listening uh, to the podcast version of it, for some reason I always have a frog in my throat. Uh, I mean, it is 8 in the morning. Give me a break. Um, so the only way to get rid of it is to uh, occasionally mute. Uh, so if you hear little pauses, you know, I can always like play some music while I just clear my throat like this. <coughs> So I don't know if you actually hear the music when I mute. I need to check. But anyway, uh, let's get on with the show. It's not really a show, but let's get on with it. So I, I want to talk about the concept of burning the boats. I want, or you know, as opposed to burning bridges, right? What we don't want to do is burn bridges, apparently, in life. Um, I've always struggled, by the way, with that concept. I've always struggled with this idea of uh, don't burn bridges. Because, to be honest with you, it's always it's always felt like, you know, it's said to someone who... Look, there are two scenarios, let's just be honest. There's the scenario where, you know, you are going to, you know, leave in a blaze of glory, right? You're going to burn everything to the ground. You're like, if I if I go down, you're going down with me, right? There can be the, you know, you burnt bridges by 
being vengeful or vindictive or you know or um you know mean spirited essentially a sore loser you know maybe you lost a business deal maybe you got let go and so but but you're going to make sure that you just spite everyone else this is not even cutting i suppose you are cutting your nose off to spite your face if you are basically you know burning those bridges because you never know what's going to happen in the future and and that's probably the reason given right don't burn bridges because you never know right swings and roundabouts i mean i you know even listening to that podcast um uh diary of a ceo um with the author of um of 48 laws of power you know the fact that sometimes the best business partner can be maybe not an enemy but but certainly not a friend in fact the advice is not to go into business with a friend so what you want sometimes is to find someone that you were at odds with uh, and you know uh, an adversary um someone maybe that you passed over or passed over you and you say you know what bygones be bygones what happened in the past um is is kind of water under the bridge but you always were talented okay maybe we had a bit of a personality conflict but um i think we could actually you know do some real damage together and psychologically that person now um has a point to prove they want to prove you right or maybe prove you wrong in in a by by coming right <clears throat> and it's a great i think psychological i mean it is psychological warfare um that they're going to work a little bit harder now um because of of that history so to speak um and you know so like let's let's assume um burning bridges for the for the wrong reasons is off the table so what are we left with we're left with burning bridges for the i wouldn't say the right reasons but certainly this idea that says um you know you were done wrong you were harmed you were treated unfairly so you're going to be i don't know whether it's uh maybe not as extreme as a whistleblower uh but certainly you know you're going to go out in a blaze of glory you're going to write a tweet you're going to do something and in doing so you've burnt a bridge uh you've soured a relationship there is no second chance there is no way i mean if you think about the idea of a bridge that crosses a chasm uh once that bridge is burnt once that bridge is broken you cannot cross that chasm uh there may be a way um but the only way using <clears throat> the analogy is you're going to have to walk all the way to the bottom of the chasm you know the the cliff the the mountain and then you're going to have to cross at the bottom and typically at the bottom um of that ravine it may be treacherous to even get to the bottom at the bottom maybe a raging river um there may be crocodiles in the river um it may be you know treacherous terrain um it may not even be possible to cross at the bottom for whatever reason um but even if you are able to cross at the bottom then you've got to go all the way back up again um the time the effort the energy required um to be able to now have to uh get to the other side is 
um, extensive, insurmountable, maybe, arguably, as well. And, uh, and the question has to be, you know, was it worth it, right? Why do we assume even we can get to the bottom? Uh, I mean, if it's so easy to get to the bottom and cross and then climb up, then why did you need the bridge, right? That's why you had the bridge there in the first place. So I think the question we have to always ask ourselves is, was it worth it, right? Was it worth it? Short-term gain for long-term pain. And maybe the answer is yes. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe the answer is absolutely yes, it was worth it. Um, You know, so many people are passive or passive-aggressive Sometimes maybe these necessary endings are needed. Some some people are beyond uh, redemption or retribution, and it is you know maybe the clean break is what's required. But a different kind of clean break is what I want to talk to you about today, which is the concept of burning the boats. Now, I, I first let me give you a few uh, definitions. Uh, in the year, so I was just looking, you know, in Google, uh, in the year 1519, Hernan Cortez arrived in the New World with 600 men and upon arrival made history by burning his ships. The sent a clear message to his men, there is no turning back. Two years later, he succeeded in his complete conquest of the Aztec Empire. Um, some other definitions, idiom, if you are in a situation and you burn your boats, um, you destroy all possible ways of going back to that situation. And and it does say burn your boats or bridges. Um, so, you know, uh, smart vocabulary, related words and phrases, not able to be changed. Uh, let's see what else. Why did pirates say burn the ships? The phrase burning your ships states, uh, goes back to Cortez as well. Um, so Cortez is definitely, um, uh, but... He has another one who said, the quote, burn the boats. Julius Caesar famously said, if you want to take the island, burn the boats. 2,000 years ago when Caesar set out to conquer England by water, he found himself face to face with his own soldiers preparing to retreat because they were swallowed by their own fears, some very real and valid ones at that. Uh, What is the biblical meaning of, uh, of burn the ships? Um... So I'm just, you know, burning our ships means that we give ourselves completely to Christ. We live his word. We carry our cross. We love others even if they hate us. So uh, what is a synonym um, for burn the boats? Uh, Compare synonym, go for broke, kick down the ladder, nail one's colors to the mast. Um, Why did the Vikings burn the boats? Um, well, I'm, I think you you have a good sense as to where this is heading. The Viking ritual of burning their longships generally only takes place on special occasions, such as to celebrate the forthcoming New Year by burning away old spirits and welcoming in the new spirits, or to honor the death of a Viking warrior. So that oh, that actually is a very different meaning as well. So you got you got Julius Caesar, you got Vikings, you got Hernan Cortez. Uh, you got um, religious as well. Now you have a full sense of what it means to burn the boats. Uh, so good morning, uh, Bez and Christopher. The uh, POAP is active for the next, uh, it's the first uh, 25 minutes or so. So you're going to want to mint it now uh, with the phrase, burn the boats, uh, three words, all lowercase. Um, I started off today by talking about 
burn the bridges. What does it mean to burn bridges, um, both positive and negative, and using that analogy? But today, you know, on Wellness Wednesday, I want to talk about the concept of burn the boats. And, and I've given a few de- definitions, according to Google, um, of what it means to burn the boats. Now, look, I first heard this phrase um, in connection with being an entrepreneur. And the feeling was specifically, you know, this idea of being a startup entrepreneur in, in the dot-com era, in the, um, you know, in the rise of the startup, specifically apps, the idea was you can't be half pregnant, right? You can't be half pregnant. You're either in or you're out. So this is a very tough one to say to an entrepreneur. And I always felt like, like an imposter, like a fraud, because I wasn't quite able to do this. I wasn't quite, I always had a side hustle or, or you know, a, or, you know, I mean, the, the classic example is someone who has a job. They have a corporate job, a, a, hopefully a well-paying job. But their dream, their desire, their goal is to be an entrepreneur, to, to uh, bring their idea, their invention, their innovation, their app, their startup to life. And they work on it nights or weekends. I'm a mentor at Founders Institute. And as part of Founders Institute, um, you know, we, so many of these founders in these cohorts um, have jobs, and 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 that's and that's the reason why um, they, you know, these sessions are in the evening. The sessions are from like six thirty to nine thirty. Why? Because they have jobs. If they didn't have jobs, you could have it any time during the day. So many of them are coming from their day jobs and then you know trying to you know commit to a side hustle that they hope will become their full hustle, their, their position one. Now, you could look at them and say, you're not going to make it, NGMI, not going to make it, NGMI. You're not going to make it because you are half pregnant, because you're not all in, because you haven't burnt the boats. You've got a safety net. You've got a plan B. You, you're hedging. You're, you've diversified your portfolio. Why is that a bad thing? It doesn't have to be a bad thing to diversify your portfolio. In fact, you know, that's a smart thing to do. Have multiple horses in the race. You know, have uh, place different bets, hopefully diverse bets. I mean, they all could come in, all the horses. Well, you can't have all the horses win the race. Um, but you certainly can place multiple bets and have them all. You know, it's like if you go and play roulette, Right, you can you can place you can put your your chips on twenty numbers, but only well, first of all, only one of those twenty could come in, and actually none of them could come in. But you can also place five different bets that could all come in at the same time. Right, you could bet on five black numbers, and then you could bet on black, and then you could bet on there could be five even black numbers. You know, I think. I don't know whether all the even numbers are black or odd or if that's how it works in roulette, but um, but you know what I'm saying. So you can go odds even, you can go black, red, you can go certain numbers. So you can actually, you know, it's possible that you could get, I don't know, let's just say, now I feel like I need to go and, 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 and look at a roulette board. 
I'm going to have to do that now because now it's irritating me. Um, so let's see. I can buy a roulette. Uh, maybe I'll buy one on eBay. Um, so it appears, no, black can be even or odd. So there you go. So for example, uh, 24 is black and black is black and even is uh, 20 or 24 is even and black. So you could put a chip on 24. You could put a chip on black. You could have put a chip on even. You could put a chip on, um, where is it? Uh, on second 12, right? And you could probably put a chip. In fact, you can put a chip on 19 to 36. Um, and there's also two to one, which is a column. So you could actually bet one, two, three, four, five, six. You could play six different roulette bets and all six could win um, if black 24 comes in. But if black 20 comes in, um, then you're going to win. Two of them won't win. You won't win on 24 um, and you won't win on the second, on the third column, uh, but you will win on, uh, on 19 to 36. You will win on even, you will win on black um, you will win on second 12. So, um, you know, just a little bit of a diversion there. But but for the most part, um, you know, the idea of placing multiple bets, uh, it makes sense, you know, li- you know, intellectually and even rationally or logically. Um, but when it comes to your livelihood, when it comes to your life, when it comes to moving forward, when it comes to your mental health, um, why is it important to burn the boats? Why is it important to be all in? Now, I mean, look at me, for example. I I could have gone all in. I could have burnt the boats um, a year ago when I could have said, I'm launching uh, Alpha Collective and I'm, I'm stopping the show and, you know, everything else is just, you know, I'm not going to teach. I'm just all in on Alpha Collective. Burn the boats. And I could have sunk. Maybe I would have with the market. You know, maybe this idea, you know, like let's use the analogy again. You arrive on the island, you know, to conquer the island. You burn the boats. And now you find that there, you know, there's, uh, you know, to use the analogy, there's a tribe of, you know, fine young cannibals. <laughs> They're like this angry uh, meat-eating, human-eating, uh, you know, um, uh, savages on the island and you are dinner. So like maybe maybe having one boat available to retreat wouldn't have been the worst idea in the world. Um, but so, you know, what, what I want to really focus on is this idea of, of the, the good, I want to argue both sides, right? So I've, in many respects, going back to Alpha Collective, I've burnt the boats to to a degree by saying we're launching we have an event next week um you know it's the market is insane i've never seen the market this bad in my entire life never never um you know people aren't even you know showing up to events people are just jay i don't know where people are it feels like they're all hiding um and you know i, I was thinking about it i was thinking about um even just just framing the sell, $2,500 purchase, a $2,500 purchase, which 
you can sell at any point in time. So maybe you sell it for $2,500 and get your money back after three months. And you've received value and connections and, you know, attended an event and I took you out to dinner and uh, you met a few people and you got your money back, right? Um, The way I look at it, if I was looking to buy it, is I would say, do I believe that I can get $2,500 worth of value in this year, even if the actual value of the NFT, the membership pass, goes to zero? And, you know, in order to sell, you have to understand what it feels like to buy. You have to be able to put yourself in that person's shoes. And so the way I would do that is to say, do I believe that I, if I buy, or do I believe that you will receive $2,500 worth of value in one year? Well, the answer is not only, but maybe 10x, maybe north of 10x. There are so many ways for you to win uh, in terms of relationships, connections, intellect, insights, and yes, even the ability to um, should you choose to sell that NFT at a profit, which of course is your right. That's how it works. And um, and so I feel good about that, but I'm not the one buying. So for me, burning the boats came down to just saying, just do it. Just put it out there. Just go for it. Um, you know, the delays, after delays, after delays, after delays. You know, the problem is, Once you delay something once, um, it's a slippery slope. Just keep delaying it. Part of me, I'm not going to lie, wants to postpone it for another week because I'm like, oh, I just wish I had an extra week to drum up interest, to reach out to people, to promote it. But, you know, tomorrow never comes. So the best thing to do sometimes is to just, just, just put it out there, just, just hang your hat, just, you know, um, just just execute, just move forward. But, but the classic description of burn the boats um, basically says, as, as I was explaining in the definitions earlier, that there's no retreat. You can't go back, you can only move forward. And, and I'd like to almost propose a new, a new way to think about burning the boats, which is less extreme, less all or nothing, less like I don't have a plan B. You know, it's if this doesn't work, I'm finished, I'm done. You know, there is no, there is no uh, second chance. It shouldn't be looked at at all like that. In fact, it should be looked at in the most positive way, which is you close one chapter and you start a new one. You know, you almost, it is the necessary ending. You you call, you know, whether it's time of death, right? And I don't mean that like, you know, morbidly, but whether you're just saying, whether it's, you know, walking away from a relationship, um, a toxic relationship, or maybe just a relationship that that just isn't, you know, God forbid, a marriage or, or a friendship, um, that's that's a version of burning the boats, Right, instead of having your safety net, your plan B, your contingency plan, your straddling, you are moving forward. 
There's no, there's no going back. That shouldn't be seen as a negative at all. And I think, you know, because it is Wellness Wednesday, I think it becomes a negative when you actually doubt yourself, when you second guess yourself, when you, you know, when you, uh, what they call shoulda, uh, don't should yourself. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. What if? What if I hadn't done this? Well, what if you had? Most of us don't burn the boats. Most of us don't go all in, or at least at a minimum, make a decision to start fresh or to change direction um, or to make a positive change. See, the thing is, is that we, we have to associate, almost reclaim the concept of burning the boats with positive change, with focus, with clarity, with this idea of let's all be on the same page. When you think about uh, a company, when you think about a small business, the odds are stacked against you. The odds are stacked against your ability to be successful. Most small businesses fail. Most startups fail. You are David. You're not even David because David slew Goliath. You're not even David. Why do you think you're David? I mean, we'd all love to be David. Hell, if I asked you, would you rather be David or Goliath? You'd be like, I'm going to be David because I win. So like, why do we assume, like, I think it's a bit arrogant to assume we're David. You wish you were David. You'd need to be able to operate that slingshot pretty well. You might be awful at slingshots. So, you know, your odds... It's funny, everything's going back to like the casino again and all in and everything. Um, But the odds are stacked against you. By all intents and and purposes, you should fail. And so if that is true, well, then you need to resort to something a little bit special in order to beat the odds. And maybe that is the proverbial or the metaphorical burning the boats that actually says... You've got to take all of your energy, all of your effort, you know, all of your um, your ability, and pour it into this one thing. Healthily, not unhealthily. This doesn't mean you can't have a side project. Doesn't mean you can't have hobbies. It just means that this is your first position. And I like that idea. Maybe it sounds like a bit of a cop-out. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually, you know, wrestling with this concept myself because I have multiple projects. In fact, I've been talking this up a lot lately, is that I think we need to, um, and I think I've said it this week, we need to talk about our jobs, our employers, you know, like if we have a, a day job, we just got to talk about it as a project. Oh, my latest project. What do you do for a living? Um, well, I work at, uh, you know, I don't know, General Motors. But I'm not an employee. It's just a project. It's just a long-term project. Maybe it's a five-year project. Why wouldn't we think like that? Instead of this idea of I work for you, you work for me, you belong to me. Remember this conversation about, you know, tweets 
these tweets are not attributable to my employer. All are attributable to me. Well, hell, if you're on Twitter, of course it's you. If it's got your name on it, it's you. If it's got your company's name on it, it's the company's. Um, Bear says, Bear says, jobs are projects if you go into the relationship with intention. Uh, and, and I'm assuming you mean that in a good way. <clears throat> I mean, why not, right? Yeah, he says yes. And if you do go in with the intention of doing your best possible job, right, of of maximizing your impact, your potential, delivering over delivering, maybe that project just gets extended. You know, when we talk about the concept of, um, you know, a salary negotiation, it should just be a contract renegotiation. I mean, we should actually approach it like they do in football. Today, this team assigned this manager on a three-year deal. Or in some cases, you know, the team sign a player. But let's just talk about, you know, signing a manager or a head coach. This person is signed on a three-year deal. And it is a project. And, you know, when they ask the manager for their point of view, the manager says, I was intrigued by the vision for this project. The project was, it's a turnaround project. You know, Wrexham, owned by Ryan Reynolds at the moment, is one of the most beautiful projects ever because it is a fairy tale story. It's the modern day, you know, uh, Ted Lasso story, the the Yank, the American coming in and and leading a club to glory. In this in this case, the Minnows, you know, Wrexham, not even in the football league. It's a great project. Um, they attracted a, a goalkeeper, I think Ben Ben Foster, who you know was playing maybe a season ago. He might have just retired, but he's their their goalkeeper now. Like you want to go there in this tiny little club in Wales, in this tiny little ground, you know, hanging out with Ryan Reynolds, getting a ridiculous disproportionate amount of earned media and press and tourists are now coming to visit Wrexham. And you want to be part of this project. It transcends football. It tran- it, it's a fairy tale story. It's a Hollywood story. So why not look at it as a project? And look, if you are a manager and you have a three-year deal, when your contract is up, two things happen. You either renew your contract or you extend your contract or you renegotiate your contract or your contract will not be renewed. And often we hear that. Their contract will not be renewed. So at the end of that contract, they will leave the club or as a player become a free agent. And it works two ways, and I think it's important for us to remember that it works two ways. It's not always the employer is in the driving seat or the driver's seat, and the employee is the subservient or weak one. If the employee in this case, and you know I hate that word, but if the employee is, you know, basically the shit, then they're the ones holding the cards. They're the ones who are trying to be wooed to extend the contract. And in extending the contract would typically require a renegotiation. And in that renegotiation would most likely be a nice healthy increase in salary, pay, incentives, bonus, 
and maybe some assurances as well. So it definitely works <clears throat> it definitely works both ways um, for sure. I think that when it comes to burning the boats, um, we need we need more of it. It's kind of like the only way that life should work. And but it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. You know, the ability to say, um, I and I think you just have to be realistic though, right? I think that's another point as well. Like there's no point in arriving, you know, I mean, the example of Cortez, right? If Cortez had arrived in the new world, to use the analogy, uh, with one, you know, little dinghy, <laughs> one little sailboat with two people, uh, you know, sinking that little sailboat would have probably been a bit of a dumb idea. But probably at the same time, why did you even set out on that <clears throat> on that journey in the first place? <clears throat> So uh, I'm looking at your comments. You can get extended, but it would be with the intention of what you were trying to accomplish. The relationship should be a two-way street, a win-win for both, or it's not a relationship. Yeah, I completely agree with those points as well. Um, and in that kind of relationship, no one's going to burn a bridge. Um, you know, to use the analogy again, imagine you're building a bridge from both sides, Right. So the crossing the chasm in this case, the bridge joins two sides. It joins you and your partner. It joins you and your boss. It joins you and, you know, other people in the project. So when we talk about, you know, being a bridge builder in life, you can be a bridge builder or bridge destroyer. But I want to spend the, the rest of our time going back again to this concept about committing to a process, committing to a vision, committing to a roadmap, committing um, to the long game. To me, that's a different way to talk about burning the boats. It's arriving at a new point in your life. It's, hell, it, it could be starting a new job. It could be changing careers. Um, it could be a midlife awakening where, you know, the first thing that happens after you burn the boats is to recognize that it is day one. That's why I kind of like this analogy coming from the Vikings because, I mean, Vikings, <laughs> they also burned other boats, didn't they? I mean, they were kind of uh, brutal in their, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, the classic example of them taking on, they were the, they were the classic David taking on Goliath until they eventually made a name for themselves in terms of being so ruthless. Because, you know, the thing, the thing that, that, that must come through is this idea of when you have nothing to lose. All right? So, so just to talk about the Vikings for a second, to celebrate the forthcoming new by burning away old spirits and welcoming in the new spirits to honor the death of a, of a Viking warrior. What I think we see in the Vikings, actually, which is pretty insightful, um, is this idea of celebrating, uh, commemorating, um, really 
very um, visually and dramatically um, signifying the end of something and the start of something else, the end of a life, um, the, the, you know, out with the old, in with the new. So it's a very um, tangible, physical um, act of, you know, calling, of being able to be very clear when when one life ends and a new life begins, when one chapter ends and a new one begins, when one conquest ends and one new begins, when one project ends and a new one begins. So that comes through very, very clearly and maybe not as clearly as one would have thought in going through this whole analogy that the Vikings certainly were the people that acted as if they had nothing to lose. You know, there was no retreat. There was no backtracking. There was no um, hedging. But they also were really, really, um, you know, deliberate and, and there's your word, intentional about signifying or symbolizing these moments in time. Now, the people that operate in life as if they have nothing to lose um, are the most dangerous. So I'll say that again. The people that live their lives or operate their lives with absolutely nothing to lose are the most dangerous. And again, we can talk about danger in a good way and danger in a bad way. Because people that have nothing to lose are also desperate. And desperate people will try anything. You know, and if you are taking on someone who is that hungry and that desperate and that intense and that passionate, you you are screwed. You got no chance. Especially if you have the day job. We imagine being in a pitch scenario or or and and you're and you've got your plan B and C and D and your cushy day job and your trust fund and you know you've got all the safety nets you would want and you and you are you know someone who's like literally this is their hell mary do you honestly believe you have a snowball's chance i mean all things being equal sure you could look at the analogy and say yes if you're you know calm and deliberate and you know and rational and emotionless you know um you know you're going to be able to beat someone who's erratic, unpredictable, etc. But you also could just, you know, get destroyed. So there is dangerous, you know, the the danger of people that have nothing to lose will resort to anything in order to win. You should avoid them if you can, like the plague. But then there's also people that have nothing to lose um, because they are committed. And those people truly you have no chance against. You need to be that person. You know, you need to be someone that says, I don't have a choice. I can only move forward. I cannot move backwards. It is not possible to move backwards. And again, it's not for everyone. I mean, I want to be more like that. Um, but I struggle. Why do I struggle? Because I have commitments, because I have people that rely on me, because, you know, there are many reasons. You know, I've, I've, when I look back on my life, I will see probably that when I thought I had a safety net, I didn't. 
and and when I didn't think I had a safety net, I probably did. Things are not always as they seem. But being able to, you know, get get everyone on the same page, in the same boat, on the same journey, and then once you get to the next point in your journey, your adventure, you burn the boats. And, you know, going and drawing from the Vikings, everybody joins in. It's not just symbolic. It's like literally set fire and, and, and toast your marshmallows and, and everybody um, recognize what is happening and reflect and introspect. You know, have that, that moment of meditation even where everybody says, okay, what was, was. Now what is, is. <clears throat> and it's time to move forward. If you want to be that small business that survives and thrives, if you want to be that medium-sized, if you want to be the small business that becomes the medium bus, medium-sized business or the medium-sized business that becomes a large business or a business that moves to the next phase of funding, right, a startup from from bootstrapping to friends and family to angels to VCs to eventually an acquisition or going public. <clears throat> the, uh, the only way is to burn the boats. Uh, what about from a growth standpoint? If companies operate on a, you know, predictable uh, life cycle, you know, from that, I mean, I always think of that, uh, the, all the turtles, the, the baby turtles that are born, and they all, you know, desperately make one pilgrimage, a desperate pilgrimage to the ocean. And, and so many of them get picked off by the predators, by, <clears throat> by, the, by the birds. And, you know, some make it and most don't. If you want to get to the phase where you're now, you know, you've, You've beaten the odds by being born, by <clears throat> by making it into the ocean. Now comes, you know, the uh, the coveted hockey stick growth. That beautiful honeymoon period of initial product market fit and and customer acceptance, and maybe uh, an article in the local newspaper or blog and maybe a celebrity uh, acknowledges you and you're enjoying some short-term success. But then the honeymoon is over and now you're under pressure to grow or maintain growth. It's always about growth at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, what are those, you've heard me say many times, the three priorities of a CEO One is growth in the form of, you know, profitability. Two is customer intimacy and three is competitive advantage. So 
Growth. You're either growing or you're not. You're either growing, you're stagnating, or you're declining. How do you get to the next level? And guess what? Be careful what you wish for because you can become so easily a victim of your own success. Because the more you grow and the more funding you get, investors, shareholders, eventually as I, you know, the third horseman of the corporate apocalypse, the idea of being a public company, short-term quarterly earnings, you are now a subject, you are subservient to your external shareholders, to the board. You got to keep growing. And the way to keep growing, the only way to keep growing is sadly when you're at when you're at that Goliath phase is through acquisition. You just got to buy the revenue because you can't necessarily earn the revenue. You know, going back to horses, beating a dead horse, how much money can you get from the same customer? You can't, at some point, the well dries up. You can't keep going back to the same customer and asking them, keep buying more and more and more and more and more. You need new customers at that highest level. Quite frankly, that applies across the board to the smallest of small and to the largest of large. I need new customers, you know, customers. I need more people coming to the Collective Cafe I need more people to buy passes uh, to Alpha Collective. I need more people to watch my show. That's not just reserved for the Goliaths. It's a universal truth. We all need new blood. We all need, you know, we obviously want to be able to convert our existing customers, the upsell and the cross-sell, but that's, that's, you know, still table stakes. That's still entry level. That's anti-up. Ultimately, We've got to be able to either use existing customers to gain new ones or be able to to attract new customers, new markets through new products, diversification, line extension, etc. This is classic textbook marketing. But it all comes down to growth. You're either, you know, and, and, and arguably if you're stagnating, status quo, you are dying. If you are not growing you are stagnating and therefore you are dying. You are decaying. So if it is true that it's all about growth, then the question comes down to how do you get to the next level? And how can burning the boats help? Well, burning the boats means embracing your heresy. Burning the boats, in many respects, is what Netflix did. When they shut down their DVD, CD business and moved to streaming. Burning the boats means being able to slaughter the cash cow. Because that that cash cow represents your safety net, your security blanket, your hedging. You know, your addiction, your crack addiction that you just can't quit. That's what it means. It means, you know, if there's writing on the wall, read it. That's my version of Yogi Berra's, um, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. 
Burn the boats means make a decision or recognize when you're at a point where you have to make a decision. Maybe that's another thing as well. The procrastination, the the indecision, the indecisive indecisiveness, is that the right word? The you know, the ambiguity, the confusion. All of that will prevent you from moving forward. All of that will keep you stranded at the base of the beach on the island. Or maybe find out that the sand on the beach, in fact, is quicksand. And by you just standing still, by being paralyzed with fear or, you know, indecision led you to sink. Whether you sunk in the sand or you sunk in the boat, but you never moved forward. So burning the boats to me means moving forward. It means move forward, move forward together, move forward with conviction, move forward with belief, move forward with as much confidence as you can have about being confident. Because you might be scared as hell. In fact, you should be scared as hell. Unless you are, in fact, a Viking, because I don't think they were ever scared. At least they didn't show it. But it doesn't have to be. It's positive, but it doesn't come without fears and uncertainty. But it's how we cope with it. In fact, it's exactly how we cope with it because we know we can't go backwards. So whether it's just muscle memory that keeps us moving forward, I mean, in many respects, it's, it's kind of like this idea of being in a marathon. You've hit the wall, you're cramping, you know, but you can't go back. Well, I mean, you literally can't go back in a marathon. You can only keep moving forward. Unless you quit. And I think that is the final way to look at the, um, maybe not the extreme, but at least what I would call a boundary or a parameter or a guardrail, which is this recognition that the only time you fail is when you quit. And quitting does mean oftentimes going back, retreating. And other times it doesn't. Sometimes you live to fight another day. Sometimes going back is smart. I'm not saying and making the case here today that it, that it always makes sense. It doesn't. Living your life that way sounds exhausting. I've made my decision and I'm sticking with my decision. In fact, that sounds to me to be stubborn, uh, you know, hot-headed, arrogant, um, you know, obtuse. No backing off, no backing down. I've said what I said, and now we're just, you know, 
we move forward. So there's always, it's never, it's never, you know, binary. As I said earlier, burning the boats is not for everyone. But if everybody does it together and they do it for the right reasons and they do it with hope and faith and belief and passion and energy and effort and determination with perseverance that we can do this. We can do this together. We can win if we all move in the same direction at the same time together, it's not always going to be a bed of roses. It's not always going to be obvious or easy. It's not going to come without challenges. But we've made a commitment today to do this, to do this right, to do this together to do this without reservation, to do this with a full heart and not a heavy heart, to do this with this incredible camaraderie of being on the same team. If we succeed, we succeed together. If we fail, we fail together. You know, what's it? United we stand, divided we fall. All for one and one for all. I don't know. You know, three musketeers. But it should be empowering. It should be motivating. It should be encouraging. That's what burning the boats means. It doesn't mean I've just cut myself off. I've separated myself. I've walked away from a good thing. The last point I want to make today is this point about understanding direction. There is push and pull. Sometimes we are running towards and sometimes we are running from. And both are powerful motivators. One is push and one is pull. Oftentimes we're pushed. Other times we are being pulled by others. Other times we feel a pull and we are attracted to the pull. Many people look at that with respect to Web3 or the gold rush or the lure of, of a better world, a better life, a better future. That's fine. I would say in the case of closing the chapter on this particular story today, that it helps when there's a little bit of both, a little bit of push, and a little bit of pull, maybe a lot of pull, but just enough push to help you get over the line, to just get to a point when you make that decision and stick with that decision and never doubt it. I think that's my final point today because the worst thing that can happen is you burn the boats and you're like, oh crap, what have I done? What did I just do? I've just made the worst mistake of my life. Well, you don't want that. 
So you want to be very clear about these moments in your life, in your company's life, in your team's life, in your relationship, um, when you've made the right decision for the right reasons without any regret, remorse, without any um, second-guessing or doubt or, you know, fudding yourself, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. You want to be able to move forward and even, even with any doubt that might creep in, it's just too goddamn bad because there's no going back. No going back. So use this today, my friends, to figure out what decisions you've made or are making or will need to make. How do you move forward? How do you move forward with a, a clear head and a full heart and recognize that just moving forward is a win, regardless of the outcome, as long as you're moving forward and trying and testing and learning and adapting and evolving, you can only be a winner. So have a fantastic Wednesday. And we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to start reading Groundswell uh, by um, our friend. Isn't that going to be cool? Um, so um, I'm I'm actually like really, really excited. In fact, just before I go... I just want to, um, first 50 pages of Groundswell are actually available uh, to you. So let me post that in the back chat and uh, maybe even want to help me read along. Um, And hold on, let me just post this for you and then we will get on our way and have an amazing day. I just, I, I certainly, I want to make sure that that, that it is working. Um, but yes, he is going to attend. I mean, he's going to try and attend, Mr. Scott A. Martin. Um, so yeah, that will be tomorrow. And hopefully uh, the, cha- the, the link works. Uh, if it doesn't, I'll make sure that I get it to you later. So see you tomorrow. Have an amazing day, everyone. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.